0: And um, he's been doing that for three years. Joy, Joy did the course as well, but they've extended it, and they've, you're going to yeah. continue to do the, the full degree, yeah. the honors degree, uh, starting September and you're going to be placed with us for the yes, coming year. Yes, I am. Yeah. Which is great. So this Thank is your you. first outing to preach. Yes. <laughs> How are you feeling?
1: <laughs> great. <laughs> uh, we're glad. Thank you. You're feeling great. Thank we want to pray for nice you. Yes, please. And uh, for, for
0: the fellowship. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for Wendy, your servant, your child, your messenger, right now. Thank you for the way that she loves the Scriptures. That even in these four years of, of being in fellowship with her, that there have been some difficult times. Some soul-searching times, but Lord, in her testimony, thank you. You've ne- never let go, and Wendy's never let go of you. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that as she stands before us and reads from the Scriptures and, and brings your word to us, would she be at peace? And speak to us all, Lord, through her. May the word she brings bring blessing to us but also as she delivers and may she be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.
1: Thank you, amen. Well, good evening, everybody. First of all, I must thank those of you that don't normally come of an evening, but I know have come to support me, because you were told that this was going to be my first experience of preaching in church. But you know, I think I've got you here under false pretenses, Because I suddenly remembered while I was getting this talk ready, that 60 years ago, I was the chairman of the Fellowship of Youth in our church. And every year, we had a youth service at which the chairman had to preach. And so, I did. And I preached a sermon on Revelation 3, the message to the Church of Laodicea, about chiding the church for their faith being lukewarm. So at the tender age of 19, I had the temerity to tell my elders and betters that their faith was lukewarm. I'm not quite sure how this sermon went down, but I was never invited back. so. (laughs) So here we are 60 years later, and I have a second invitation to preach. I wasn't sure what type of message to bring whether it should be biblical exegesis or whether I should talk about a Christian theme. So I rang the Light Project team for advice. And they said I was to be myself, to keep it simple, to tell you some personal stories, and to show God's involvement in them, and then to relate it back to those of you who are listening to me. And so that's what I'm going to try and do. Now, I have two reasons for not speaking too long tonight. And this is the first. <laughs> now, for anybody listening at home, um, this this uh, picture is of a very bored congregation with a gentleman in the front row, a bit like Rowan Atkinson, fast asleep. And the caption reads, There's a fine line between a long sermon and a hostage situation. So I'm hoping very much that you won't feel held hostage by me tonight. My second reason for not talking too long is that a deacon, who shall be nameless, said, Please keep it short, Wendy, pole dark starts again tonight. I see that it starts at nine o'clock. I guess I've got quite a lot of leeway. <laughs> I didn't need any help with choosing the subject, and it's it's never too late. It's never too late to be surprised by God. It's never too late to discover His plans for you, and it's never too late to walk through His open door. Now the first part. Is going to be an unashamed testimony of what's happened to me in the last four years. The second part is how I have met God through the Light Project. And the third part is just for you. It's a challenge for all of you. So I start with it's never too late to be surprised by God. And the verse that I've chosen is from Deuteronomy The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. And this special verse is my baptismal verse, which Phil and Homie gave me on my baptism day. And I was thinking if I was never allowed to have a Bible again, just having this verse would be enough for me. Knowing that the Lord himself is before me and with me and will never leave me. What more do you need? I've spent a lifetime believing in Jesus, being a Christian, but that youthful enthusiasm, which you may have realized by that first sermon, I think over the years probably faded, and I began to be stuck as Edward mentioned this morning, more in the religion than in the relationship. And over the years, being a busy mother and a wife and a counsellor, and we did a lot of travelling, the Christian faith was really important to me. But because I lost sight of the relationship, I think I too started to get lukewarm. The very thing that I had Chided those people with all those years ago. And then, of course, as you all know, later I had to care for Ron through his final illness and the pain of losing him, and that lukewarm faith became very shaky indeed. I put up with this for a few months, and then I decided that I really had got to try and make sense of it all, and so I went to Alpha. And like so many people before me, Alpha just completely changed me. It changed the way I thought about my faith and it changed and brought me back, of course, to the Lord Jesus again. And I was on such a high with all of this that I went to Phil and I said that I would like to rededicate myself to the Lord again. But would it be better to wait till the next year? when perhaps my grief for Ron wasn't quite so raw. And Phil's response was, when God says, follow me, he doesn't say, follow me next year. And he doesn't say, follow me when you're feeling happier. He says, follow me now. And so, of course, I was baptized. And I'm so glad that I was. And in my testimony that day, I said, I felt that God was saying to me, it's never too late and you're never too old. That week, when I got home, I spent a lot of time thinking about this verse and thinking about the baptismal promises that I'd made. And I prayed anew, and I would call it quite a scary prayer. I said, Lord... I would do whatever you ask me to do. Now this is quite scary because when you commit yourself like that, God surprises you by opening doors, and He never does things by halves. Later that week, I went to a Philia women 's Day, and it was on prayer, and the group that I was in was talking and studying prophetic prayer. And we were put into triplets. And the lady that was praying for me said she thought that God was saying to me, Wendy, there is more to come. I wasn't quite sure what this meant, but it sounded rather exciting. And I went home and I was tossing and turning that night, unable to sleep and trying to ponder on what this could possibly be, more to come. So I turned the television on to take my mind off things and the TBN Christian channel was on. It was, this was a wee small hours, And a preacher said through the screen to me, if you're wondering about God's plans, there is more to come. It makes me feel a bit goosey just thinking of that day. The next Wednesday... It was your, the church vision meeting. And this is where Joy comes into the story because Joy stood up and talked to everyone about doing a degree with the Light Project. And the degree was in mission, evangelism, and theology. And she spoke so brilliantly about it. And she was obviously on fire with it all. And she said how her life was being changed and how her relationship with God was changing. And how she just felt she had a purpose. And I just knew that this was for me. I feel emotional just seeing you sitting there, Joy, because it was such a special moment. And so, very next morning, I phoned them up, because obviously I was worried about my age. And I said, am I too old? And the lady said, you're never too old to learn more about God. The very words I'd used at my baptism. Well, this was the first real awareness that I'd had, that God had a plan for me, and he'd opened a door for me. Now, it may sound as if I'm standing here all calm and accepting, and that I was really, you know, very mature about all this. But in actual fact, this next picture is going to show you what this felt like. (laughs) And again, for anyone listening at home... This illustration is of two people sitting on the front seat of a roller coaster, a young lady and a small child. The young lady looks excited and joyful and loving every minute. And she's entitled to the Holy Spirit. And the little child sitting next to her, clinging on to her, looking absolutely terrified, is entitled you. And that was me. I did feel quite terrified. So that brings me now to the next part, which is, it's never too late to discover God's plans for you. And the verse I've chosen for this part is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to give you hope and a future. These words from Jeremiah were the words that gave me the courage to get over that roller coaster experience and to walk through the open door that he'd opened for me and to start the Light Project course. In fact, I typed them out, and I had them in a little frame on my desk for ages. Hope and a future, that was what got me, because only a couple of months earlier, I honestly thought that my life had come to an end, really. I mean, not in a dramatic, suicidal sort of way, but just that there wasn't much purpose anymore. I'd lost my husband. Obviously, the family was scattered around. And... I just couldn't see what else I was going to do with my life. And suddenly, here I was. He was giving me hope and a future. I've always loved writing. I've done loads of writing. But I've never actually done a proper university course or anything like that. So it was quite a challenge to take on three years of study and assignments. But as soon as I started, I realized that his plan was much more than just academic work. There were several things that God had planned in this for me that I had no idea when I decided I would do it. First of all, the Light Project family themselves have helped me through my bereavement. They've given me love and encouragement and a new purpose. Most of them are young younger than me. I could be their grandmother. And the leaders have been just so special and have believed in me. And just being with this wonderful group of people has been like a new family. And then, the practical placements. When you're on this course, you don't just learn academically. You have to have practical ways of not just writing about God, but introducing Jesus and his love in other other settings. Then I learned a new understanding about evangelism. And I'm going to come to that later. Very, I think almost the most important lesson that the Light Project has given me is that God is always ahead of me. Because he's sort of in charge of this path that I'm on, whenever I turn a new corner, he's already there. So I don't have to pray, please come with me and please lead me, because he's there waiting for me to catch up. And now I've got another open door in front of me, as Edward's already said, that I'm going to do two more years of study And I've been told there's a possibility that I can now extend the writing that I enjoy so much. So I feel that God has had his hand on that as well. Um, I thought that at this point, having said that the best thing about it was the practical work that I've done, I very briefly tell you about the two practical placements that I've had. First of all, I did two years at Mill House, at the care home, and I was a volunteer with their activities team. Every Tuesday, I would go to the coffee morning and get to know the residents. Most of them are living with advanced dementia. After a few months, I was given a bit more responsibility, and so I instigated Vintage Messy Church Sessions, which several of the ladies in the church here helped me with. For those of you that aren't quite sure what Vintage Messy is... It's very similar to what Kate does with the children, but it's specifically for people that have got memory loss problems in old age. So the program that we took along would be not modern worship songs, but old songs and hymns that they would have sung when they were children. And indeed, when we sung them, it was really moving, wasn't it, Kate, to see how they would join in the words. Each of them would be prayed for by name. We always did creative stuff like with, I was going to say sticky back plastic, but that's Blue Peter, isn't it? That shows my age again, sorry. Um, But with sparkle and beads and cutting out things and painting things. And sometimes they made something to give to a family member, or sometimes they had something just for themselves, for their rooms. We always have chocolates, and we always have coffee and chat. And I'm going to tell you one tiny little story that will illustrate... The whole two years, really, of how God was always there. One morning at Vintage Messy, we were decorating mirrors. And I brought in enough mirrors for every resident. And they were about this size. And they had wooden frames. And we took artificial flowers and beads and sparkle and peel-off letters. And the peel-off letters read, God loves you. And we stuck this on each mirror. One lovely lady, very lost to her dementia, usually very quiet, but she was sitting, obviously loving doing her mirror, so I went and sat next to her to help her. And I said to her, do you know how much God loves you, Joan? And she laughed, looked at me with this big smile, and she said, oh yes, and I love him right back every day. Well, God showed me that despite deteriorating memory, her soul was alive and well. And he also surprised me by already being there with her, in her, just waiting to meet me in her. And I found that experience with other residents too. After two years there, the Light Project said that um, I should move to a different placement, even though I was really loving it. And so I, I went... For this last year, I've been working at the hospice at Adderbury. I go in as a volunteer on the day unit, and it has been the most special year, absolutely wonderful. When you get to the door of Catherine House, the atmosphere is indescribable, really. It's peaceful, it shows God's love, and you can always hear laughter. And in the day unit, when they come in, the patients come in every week for a day of respite care for themselves and for their loved ones. And it's a pampering day. So there's a hairdresser, a manicurist, reflexologist. The arts and crafts room is open, and they can make memory boxes and paint paintings. They can have baths or showers. There's a wonderful three-course lunch and a lovely chapel service at uh, Holy Communion at the end of the day. Throughout the day, we chat, play games, do puzzles. And once again, I'd like to tell you a tiny little incident that will show you how I feel that God was there. One morning, a new lady arrived called Mary, and she was looking very worried and very anxious. He obviously didn't really want to be there very much. I brought her in, and I sat her down next to another patient, and I went to make her a cup of coffee, praying that God would give me the right words for her. And as I left her, she started talking to this other patient. Now, the he, his name was Chris, and he was the most wonderful Christian man. He'd been a Spitfire pilot in the war. He was now in his late 90s, and he was very frail and very poorly. And she turned to Chris and she said to him, I didn't really want to come here today because this is where people come to die, isn't it? And he said to her, Well, yes, death may feel close, but actually, this is where we all come to enjoy life together. And when I went back with her coffee, they were sitting and smiling at each other. I was very, very moved by this. And I realized that I really had been quite arrogant to assume that it was just me taking God's love in to them and that he was already at work there in their relationships. And for the whole year, this has been sort of the highlight for me, the way that they love, the terminal people love and care for each other and bring God to each other. I was simply just fortunate to share it. When I made that promise three years ago, I had no idea where the open door would lead me but it's been so much more than I expected. Because as I already said, he never does things by halves. A comment sometimes that irritates me is, how can you possibly be doing all this at your age? The inference being, now that you're nearly 80, you should be settling down to quiet retirement. However, if I can make this work again, it's never too late for God. God seems to enjoy opening doors for people regardless of their age. Moses was 80 when he delivered the Jews out of captivity in Egypt. And a verse in Deuteronomy says, Never since has there arisen a prophet in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. And that's the key, that God and Moses had this relationship face to face. Joshua was elderly, and he said, Be strong and of a good courage, be not afraid, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. Once again, the Lord is with you. An old man who had a a live relationship with him. Caleb also, he was 85 when he worked with Joshua, and he said to him, Give me the hill country, and the Lord will be with me to drive them out. Once again, the Lord will be with me. In the New Testament, Anna, the prophetess, she continually prayed in the temple. She was 84, but she worshipped God with fasting and prayer day and night. Imagine how much you must love him to do that. Now, I'm not saying that you and I are called to be Moses or Joshua or Caleb, but Esther said, perhaps God is calling you for such a time as this. So now we get to the exciting part, because this is your part now. It's never too late to walk through his open door. Revelation 3, verse 8. I have opened a door for you that no one else can close. Now, I know I've been sort of majoring on um, old age and meeting God in old age. But actually, whatever your age, God has a plan for you and an open door in front of you. But I wonder, do you think he might be waiting for you to say those scary words that I had to say? Lord, I will do whatever you ask me to do. If you were bold enough to say that, I wonder what would happen. Maybe you have a lifelong dream. Something amazing. All your life, at the back of your mind, you've thought, one day I would love to. But then life kept busy and you had a family and children and a job. Maybe you had ill health. And somehow it's just been put on the back shelf and forgotten about. Or maybe a secret longing that you've never dared tell anyone. You would love to do it, but perhaps it's too late now and nobody would understand anyway. I would like to suggest that these inner longings could be a door that God has opened for you, but that you are too scared to walk through it. But you know, if you did walk through it, he's going to be waiting for you there on the other side of it. I've got a few suggestions to leave you with. Do you think that God could be planning to use you as, say, an evangelist? I said at the beginning I would say a little bit more about evangelism. And I will just say briefly that when I started the course, I was of the opinion that evangelists were just a select few that God had chosen. Billy Graham, speaking to the thousands, a minister or a pastor who was brilliant at preaching the gospel, possibly street corner preachers or billboard carriers, although they never appealed to me very much. But I've learned at The Light Project that once we are in the kingdom, we too are evangelists, but that it doesn't mean preaching at people. The Light Project leaders are Glyn and Chris. Glenn Jones and Chris Duffett, and I know that most of you know Chris. Well, they're my gurus. I just love them. And they say evangelism is simple. All you have to do is say to someone, how's your day going? You can say it to a stranger on the bus, the checkout girl at the shops, postman a neighbor your friends just that simple question showing an interest in them can lead to conversations that become someone else's first step on a faith journey showing an interest in them showing them god's love and when appropriate you can start to tell them your own story of hope in jesus because as peter says always be ready to give a reason concerning the hope that is in you glenn and chris say all we have to do is plant a seed that will start other people wondering about Jesus, and the Holy Spirit will do the rest. Well, that's not too difficult, is it? Or perhaps your door is a prayer door. I know that everyone here prays. But perhaps this door is leading you to be pray more, give more time to worshiping and building a relationship with him. Or to be a prayer warrior, To pray for your church, to pray for the town, to pray for this country and its politicians at the moment, to pray for the world, the poor, the dispossessed, the persecuted. Have you ever thought of contacting Open Doors or Agape India to ask them what you can pray for? Could you be like Anna and shut yourself away with God for long periods and pray? If you don't feel this is for you, it could be even simpler. Why not just offer to pray for your friends and neighbors when life is tough? Peter Gregg, who started the 24-7 prayer movement, says that many non-Christians hate being preached at. They don't want to hear about Jesus, but they're genuinely grateful if you will pray for them if they're in trouble. And then this one is a rather challenging one for you. Do you think your open door could lead you to being a pioneer? Just think of the impact in this church on our friends, on our neighbours, if as well as going to church, we started being church where people are. As well as inviting them to come to church, we take church to them with gifts and friendship and prayer on the streets, in the pubs and the cafes and the leisure centre around us. I know there's already a very dedicated team, the Connect team on a Thursday that do this, and they are a very small but devoted group. I'm wondering if your open door could lead you to join them. And then, of course, I can't finish, can I, without mentioning the light project. There might be someone here tonight, sitting, listening to me like I listen to Joy, thinking, oh, I wonder if this could be for me. I wonder if this is my more to come. That's just a few ideas, and I know that God will have many other surprising ideas for each of you. I began by talking about being surprised by God, and I will end with the thought that God loves to surprise us. Jesus was always surprising his disciples, whether it was in his miracles or his resurrection appearances. I wonder if you are prepared to be surprised by him. I think we need to forget our preconceived ideas of only meeting God in special times of worship here or in our set prayer times at home, because God doesn't come in, That special way alone. He surprises us at all sorts of different times, at any hour, on the least obvious occasions, and in the most unlikely people. I think he's always at work in these surprise visits. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Now, even if you forget most of what I've said this evening, I hope that you'll just remember this. It's never too late to be surprised by God. It's never too late to walk through that door if he has opened it for you and you will find him waiting to share the adventure on the other side. I'd like to close with a little prayer, very short one. I'm going to pray it it personally but if you like to pray it silently in your heart, that would be wonderful. So shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Here am I, ready to learn more about your plans for me and my life. I'm ready to say it, Lord. I will do whatever you ask me to do. Please open a door for me and give me boldness to step through it and follow you wherever you lead me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank
0: you. Thank you, Wendy.